This series uh, on God's goodness has been great, right? Our hope, thank you, our hope is that you come every single week inside these doors, same thing we tell the youth, that you come changed and challenged in some way, form, or facet, right? Our job as pastors is kind of just share the word that God has given us and in hopes that you're going to take that and just apply that, plant that seed in your life and let it grow, let it do its thing, okay? Um, just like how our kids throw the laundry by the edge of the stairs or by the washer, and they just, they, they're just planting that seed in hopes that you're going to wash their clothes, okay? I, I don't do that at all as my wife, but there's people who do, okay? Or the dishes. I, I'm guilty of that one. Um, I have a great daughter. So um, we, <laughs> that's what kids are for, right? <laughs> um, go get the remote. So we... <laughs> So true. Okay. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, so I'm going to be flipping through a lot of verses today and I promise you it will make sense at the end. Um, so if you're up for the challenge, you can flip through your Bible as fast as you can or your smartphone, or, uh, you could do what I would do if I was sitting down there and I would just write the scriptures down and I would go back home and I encourage you to really dive into that and just read over that, um, in, in the context of which I'm preaching it. And then let, let just let God do the work. Okay. Um, so Right now, you could flip to Acts 3, verse 1. Just sit there for a second, and we'll come back to that. Um, I'll give you a head start. So um, last week and a couple of weeks now, we've been talking um, about the Psalms 34, 8. It says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Pastor gave an example of, of what? I'm a youth pastor, so we're going to interact. I... My, my youth students, they know we interact, okay? But he gave an example of French fries, right? He gave an example of what's your fries? Oh, yes, he, he did do that. But he said McDonald's or Wendy's, right? And listen, I, I was, I was uh, confronted in the lobby, okay? Because there are French fries that are better than those two. And I know Pastor's heart right now suffering for the Lord in Florida. And he knows he probably has a large French fries at McDonald's, right? But if you've had, okay, checkers or rallies down south, or if you've had Chick-fil-A fries, okay, then you know you've experienced heaven. Those are ones that you like, listen, this wasn't even in my message, but I have to say it because women, my just loves of the bride of Christ. Okay, listen, when you say that you don't want nothing and then you grab a piece of our fry and it's one fry and then two and then we have to double back right that's why i was doing that to my wife today and she's like you said you didn't want a coffee but you kept drinking it so i just the goodness of god is what we just you just can't have one it's like pringle once you pop you can't stop right so this morning as we continue uh this series on god's goodness uh we're going to discuss on how we can't exaggerate his goodness um so if you believe that god is good in this place can we get a shout of praise for god You as well online, we interact every week, um, our online people. So please hit amen in the chat. Let's let's, uh, make sure that we are on the same page today. That's my goal. So we heard it numerous times uh, during this series that if we truly believe that God is good, then he's good no matter what is happening in our lives. Amen? Amen? Okay. So God is authentically good or he's not. He's either greater than we can understand perceive, describe, or imagine, or he's not God. We are. Take this journey with me. See, I love the interaction. Second service, we're up. We're kind of, thank you, Jennifer. We're just here. You know what I mean? So Acts 3.1, here we go. 
One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. It was about three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. Some translations call that gate Lupe's gate, but I didn't make the translations. Where he was put every day to beg for those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet. He began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Amen. This morning was no different than any other morning for this man who probably was paralyzed for the rest of his life. Maybe he was praying for a great day, some good weather. Maybe he was praying for, for somebody with money, like Ryan, you know. Maybe he was like, you know what, today's going to be a good day. Maybe he's chipper and joyful, and I don't know. What I do know, though, is that a miracle was far from his mind. I mean, he was, he was paralyzed from birth. What could change, right? Man, you've been sick probably for a lot of years now. If God was going to heal you, he would have done it already. Your marriage has been in turmoil for a long time now. If God was going to fix it, he would have fixed it already. This man, a miracle was far from his head. He wasn't expecting God's goodness to show up in the way that it did. His cup was ready. His, his attitude was there. And the next thing you know, he's looking at Peter and, and he's ready for that big deposit. Here it goes. Ryan's coming down the street. He's looking dead at me. Cha-ching. You know, when your dad gets a paycheck and you're like, hey, dad, I love you. I used to tell my mom that all the time. And the response was, what do you want? All the time. I promise you all the time. And half of the time she was right. Um, and he was ready for a big deposit, right? But Peter, like me, was broke. Okay? Peter's broke. Peter's looking at this man's eyes, and I like the fact that Peter had to tell him to look at him. That means this paralyzed man was probably in shame of what he was doing. He felt guilty. He felt shameful. He, he felt like he was uh, in a bad place. Why do I have to ask for, for money and, and giving and needy? So he did probably what a lot of us do. I'll preach to myself today totally fine. And what he was doing is he probably had his head down when he's asking for stuff. Kind of like us men when we, we struggle to ask for help because we're a man and we should always have it together. And, and he has his head down and Peter says, no, 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 look at me. Because what you, what you think you need, I, I don't have. But what, you, what you're not expecting, I'll give you. Get up and walk. Amen. Crazy, right? Because how many of us wake up every morning anticipating what we think we need? Because the blessing of God is so far from us, it's so far from, removed from our life that we don't even, I'd be crazy to think that I'm going to be able to get up and walk today. So far beyond me to feel that, that God's going to fix my marriage or, or bring my kid back to Jesus Christ, not even on my mind anymore, it's not even on my radar, all I want to do is just make it through the day. And God is saying, get up and walk. You see, God is authentically good or he's not. He's either greater than we can understand or, or we can perceive or we could describe or imagine or he's not God, uh, we are. 
It's easy to sit and reminisce every single week on the goodness of God and how he's shown up for us and in big, remarkable ways in our life and, and the times where we didn't expect to see him move, he moved and, and maybe he gave us a job or, uh, or maybe a raise at work or a promotion or maybe we're celebrating uh, the great things and that's good and that's okay and we should do that. But you know, it's a little deeper than that because there's moments in our life where we don't get to see those big moves happen in the way we anticipated them to. And God didn't move that mountain the way we thought he should have. And, and uh, things aren't really fixed the way, the, the way they should be. And we tend to harp on those things, right? Uh, I mean, I'll speak to myself today. Nothing is accomplished by allowing our imagination to create our own image of God. He then would be no different than the gods we made out of wood, uh, stone, or created by our own hands. Inventing him in our minds or building him up with our hands is a similarity that is both vain and ultimately destructive. I'll say that again. It's just, it's good. (laughs) Nothing is accomplished by allowing our imagination to create our own image of God. Some of us create an image of God that, man, uh, and I'm sure we know a couple of those people, nothing bad happens to them. Man, they are the blessed. That is the Parkers, right? They, or the Joneses. They, life is so good for them. That's their image of God. It's, they never go through anything. Or the negative Nancys, everything bad happens to me. I stubbed my toe on the, on the bed frame this morning when I got up. It's the worst thing ever. My kids are super loud. And guess what? Now they're homeschooled. It's the craziest life ever. That, I, I'm with you on that. And and you're like, oh my gosh, like, and we start cre- creating these images of who we think God is. And then, and then we find ourselves building up an idol in our house of, of who we think God is. And then ultimately we're doing what they were doing in the Bible. And we start building golden calves of God and, and we start um, just pondering on different things and, and then becomes destructive in our life. It's foolish for us to create a concept of how good we think God is compared to how great he really is. Have you noticed the only time you and I, uh, we start to question God's goodness is, is if he isn't acting out that situation the way you would. I mean, kind of like how you, you would tell your, your husband or, or, or kids to load the dishwasher and we, kinda, we just stuff it in however we stuff it in and we, we slam it shut, my daughter, and then, and then we, just hit, we just hit play and then, and then it's not really clean that good. I don't do that. Uh, my daughter doesn't do that a lot. And so we, we kind of think that it should have been done this way, man. I should probably just do it. I should have done it, right? If you want something done right, come preach. You want something done right, you do it yourself, right? So when we don't feel God moving, uh, uh, you know, in our marriages, in our, in our hard uh, uh, lives, in our jobs, and uh, with our kids, we begin to question his goodness, and then uh, we give God one second to fix it the way it should be to us. And then, you know, in that moment, we start, uh, we start rolling up our sleeves and we tell the sculptor to move over and I, I'll do it, right? And then we start trying to fix lives the way we should and then we end up creating a bigger mess uh, in the long run. I mean, I, I create messes. I don't know about you, but I create messes. I'm gonna be a little bit vulnerable with you today. I'll share a story. Uh, I, the only thing that I ask is uh, no judging, okay? No no judging, okay? Your boy here messed up, and we'll talk about it, okay? Because you're not perfect either. All right, February 2014, okay? I'm going to my first winter camp as a youth leader, okay? Rachel's with me. We're going to go 
My wife has the best ideas, hands down. I have to fulfill them, right? Okay, so we're going to our first winter camp because my wife thought it was a great idea, which it was, to make sure that we're youth leaders so we can keep an eye on our kids as they're growing up. Brilliant! Until she said, you go first. And then, so then, I, true story, my, she'll tell you, okay? So we're going to our first winter camp and uh, first camp period with the youth group there, and, and we sacrificed to go to that, all right? I tell my leaders all the time, we, I'm going to know what it's like because I was a youth leader for five to six years before I was a youth pastor, so we sacrificed a lot, okay? Um, our leaders do a lot. They make the youth ministry go, okay? So it's winter camp. We're going to go, and I was trying to do what a responsible young adult would do, Okay? We, uh, we're turning off everything in the house. Boom, boom, turning off everything, locking windows, closing doors, uh, got the dog away to my sister-in-law's. We're ready to go. We get to camp. It's remarkable. The presence of God is so heavy in that place. I mean, there's not a sad, dry eye in the building. We can feel the presence of God. I can't stress it enough. Get your kids to camp. Get your kids here on a Wednesday night at 6 p.m. I hear the youth pastor is really cool. Get him here. <laughs> So we're there. It's crazy. You could bottle up the atmosphere of Jesus and save it for later. It was crazy, okay? I'm hearing stories of, of kids coming to know Jesus and then stories of middle schoolers who were struggling with suicide. It was crazy. And I remember bawling because I went to school to be a police officer. Got my, got my degree, got everything. I was in panel board interviews. I'm ready. I'm on the fringe of being a cop. I'm just right there, okay? And here we are at camp because my wife's bright idea, and God tells me in that moment, I want you to be a pastor. And I'm like, dude, you got who, him? Like, I'm questioning it, right? You got the wrong guy. And, and uh, he's like, no, I don't. Definitely you. And, and I get, begin to think like, well, I'll do it. If you want me to do it, I'll do it. You're telling my wife, I'm not. She just supported me for two years, okay? She's anticipating we're about to get this done, get into career, get a house, picket fence, family, everything, right? And now you're switching up the whole, you're telling her, I'm not telling her. And Sunday comes around and he makes me tell her. And because I'm like, God tell you anything this week? No, he didn't. Okay, well, here's what I'm going to do. Change our life again, and I'm going to be a pastor. Okay, um, she didn't hit me, though she could have. Um, and she said, you know what? I'm going to support you. Let's do it. If God is calling you to do that, that's amazing. And we're doing it, right? So we're on our way home. We have to pick up my son. Um, and uh, it was his birthday. We had missed his birthday. So we're picking him up, and, and we're ready. And we get home, and, and I run the dog upstairs real quick, and they're still in the car. And uh, I open up the door and I hear, and I'm like, well, that's, I'm not a doctor. I'm pretty sure that's not good. <laughs> open up my bedroom door to the fresh scent of like Irish spring water. We had radiator heating and I had busted the pipes because I turned off the heat uh, when we left in Wisconsin. Um, yeah, right? No judging. Okay. And it, it is flooding my bedroom. Okay. Um, I stood there. Okay, and I just watched it for about maybe what seemed like an eternity, but it was probably like a minute. And I'm not saying anything, and I'm just processing it. Um, I did what any responsible adult would do. Uh, I closed the door and I went downstairs. Uh, <laughs> I listen. Okay, I didn't know where the shutoff valve was. Okay, I didn't know how to turn it off. I was going through all of that. I didn't know how to fix the issue. Um, so I ran from the issue. 
Um, my wife comes upstairs and we, she sees it and she sits on the couch and she's bawling her eyes out. And I know what she's thinking, right? One, that I'm dumb. I get that, okay? Two, we don't have the money to call a plumber to get him here right now. How do I ship this off? I'm calling everybody. No one's getting it. Uh, we're about to be homeless. We're, listen, our wives think here. I'm on the other side of the church building right where the flood's happening. She's so far advanced in her thinking of what's going to happen because of this. And then I start catching wind of that. And, and, and I'm, I'm just like, I don't know what to do. And then what I did was what maybe most of us do. And I, I just started doubting God. I started having a conversation with God in my head. Like, what, what are you doing? Why would, you, why would this happen? I, I just sacrificed my son's birthday. I'm, I sacrificed sleep. God knows we're going to sacrifice sleep uh, uh, at camp. And, and I just answered the call to be a pastor. I'm switching my whole life up for you. And, and this is what I get? Like, I, I don't get it. You know, in that moment, I started rolling up my sleeves, and I'm trying to fix it. I'm, I'm doubting God's goodness. And, and it wasn't until years later that I realized that, it wasn't his fault that the house flooded. It was my fault that I shut off the heat. But I, but I wanted God to show up in a tool belt and a wet vac around his back and like a Ghostbuster suit and fix everything, right? Everything short of grabbing me by the ear and saying, come here, stupid, let me show you what you did. Everything short of that, I wanted him to just fix my mess. And because he didn't show up the way I wanted him to show up, how I wanted him to fix the mess, it must be something wrong with him. I mean, logically, you can't be me. I'm perfect. <laughs> I'm not. Um, obviously, I can house sit for anybody here who wants me to house sit. What I listen. What I won't do is flood your house. Okay. Because of that situation, okay, that flood landed me on this stage right now. You want to know more about that? Take me out to lunch. Okay? But the scenarios that led up after that flood landed me on this stage. Speaking about water, pastor is suffering for the Lord in Florida. He thought it was a great idea to tell me he's watching poolside. So I want to make sure he takes the beach with him. So when he comes back to his office, we're going to flood it. Um, just, <laughs> just so that way he knows we're thinking of him. Okay? Um, James, and then we'll just tell him this because this is so good. James 1, 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Um, I'm in a life group uh, two years ago in and we're, we're going through um, the book of James, and uh, Francis Chan is, is speaking about it and challenges us you know, in our life group. Like, just go through, go through the book of James and, and get to a point where you just need to stop and ponder on something. And I stopped immediately because uh, a year prior to that, I just flooded my house, and right now we're living with family in that moment, and I'm supposed to consider it pure joy whenever I face trials of many kinds. I'm supposed to celebrate stomping in water um, and, and thank my neighbor downstairs because I flooded her place too. Um, no judging. And I'm supposed to count that as joy? Or, or is it because that 
the testing of my faith is what's going to produce perseverance. That's what it is. And I couldn't get past that because uh, that verse has spoke volumes throughout my entire life. You know, I was working with my buddy, uh, Benel. He was a youth leader of mine when I became a youth pastor. And he owned his own plumbing business. And that's how I know how to turn off the water now. And we're driving. Uh, and, you know, when bad things happen, they happen at the best time. Right? Like when <laughs> it could have happened any other day. Right? It happens today. And we're driving. And it's hot in June and, and it's like 100 degrees out and we're driving in his van and then uh, we hear a pop and I look out the window and his tire is flat. Like it's completely flat. It's on the rim. And I'm like, oh boy, that sucks. And I look over to him and he's just driving. I go, hey bro, like I don't know if, I don't know if you're there, but it, your tire pop and we're riding on the rim. And he goes, no, I'm, I know. I, I'm like, Okay. We're going to pull over, and we're on a super busy road, okay? And he's like, no, I don't got a jack. One, there's nowhere to really pull over. It's like a mini highway. Two, I don't have a jack. I just got this van or a spare tire. So I do what any natural person would do, and I start freaking out. Like, bro, you're, what are you doing? He's like, what do you want me to do? Freak out? He's like, there's nothing I can do. And I'm like, you're psycho. You're completely psycho right now. Why aren't you freaking out? We're getting honked at. We're getting thumbs up. Okay? People are upset. You're going five miles an hour, Benel. Like, what are you doing? And he's like, Lupe, what do you want me to do? And he starts quoting James. And I said, Benel, I've never in my life, and up until this point, still haven't met no one with so much patience. Plenty of stories like that with Benel. I don't like being around him. Okay, because I tell his wife all the time. He has patience like I've never seen in my entire life. Okay, and he starts, he starts telling me like, what could I have done? Luke? I can't do nothing. There's nothing I can do. Like, why, why am I going to stress over it? You know, pastor said this last week too. If God is calling on you, it's because he wants to prove you faithful. Not every bad thing that happens to you is because someone's out to get you. Sometimes... You're turning the heat off in your life. Sometimes uh, he's calling you in the game. Sometimes he, he, he's so proud of you that he wants to call on you because you're going to glorify him. You're going to magnify him. When my son does great in basketball, I kind of sometimes live through that because it's like, yo, he's so good. His dad must be remarkable. You know what I mean? Though that's probably not the case. That's how I think about it sometimes, you know? It, God's calling on you because he can count on you. You know, I, I had to learn that the hard way, and I'm still learning it to fully, fully, fully trust in him. And I don't know if we'll ever fully trust in what God is capable of doing or understanding how good he really is. In all of my life, we're going to be tested. In all of your lives, you're going to be tested. Um, it's what we're going to do with that. John 8, starting in verse 4, says this. This is a story about the adulterous woman. Teacher, they said, this woman was caught in adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her, what do you say? They were trying to trap him up into saying something that they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and he started writing um, in the dust with his finger and they kept demanding an answer. So then he stood up again and said, all right, 
But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then he knelt back down and he started writing in the dust again. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest. I'm going to pause right there. Who, who has siblings? When, y'all, when we do something bad, the first one to go is always the oldest. Right? Unless they're slow. Okay? But the youngest is always the one to get caught. Okay? So take heave of this. All right? So the, they all started leaving Otis until there was no one left in the crowd but just in the middle where it was Jesus and the woman. Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Don't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And then Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Amen. Some of us in this room are watching uh, or watching online think that we don't see God's goodness in our life because, you know, we've done something bad or we're doing something bad or, or we're just mess ups and we can never do anything right. This woman was caught freshly in the act of sin. I don't need to label it adultery or, or, or cheating or anything like that. Just caught freshly in the sin, sin that you and I do every single day in our life, whatever that is, you label that. Caught fresh in that. She's ready to be dealt with. Notice the verse doesn't say that she has uh, a two cents about it or she, she's about to lawyer up herself and say, no, no, I, maybe there was a confusion. She, she understands she did wrong. And, and like me, because I'll preach to myself today, we're all kneeling down when we mess up and then we go, well, we're not gonna have anything good. God, we're punished, now we're grounded. No way she's gonna experience God's goodness, not after what she did. Then there goes God showing up a side of him that, and a love and a generosity and a grace that we fully don't even grasp. You can play the music, please. You know, this morning I wanted to share with you three unique stories on purpose. When God was giving me this message, he wanted me to show people that, that he's good no matter what the, the situation is. He can't be just good in the good times. Right? He has to be good in the bad times. He wanted to show me and all of us here that where we didn't expect his goodness, he showed up. That's the lame man. When we don't expect to be blessed with God, he shows up. Amen. Hallelujah. Cheers for that. That's great. Where we don't see God's goodness because of what's going on in our life, the, tr- the trouble, the, the turmoil. That's my story. Uh, where's God's goodness? He shows up. Hallelujah, amen. Where we didn't deserve God's goodness, where we are, 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 are just due in our sin and in our death, Jesus dies for us. God shows up. Hallelujah, amen. Within all three, God has shown that he's greater than we can understand. He's greater than we can perceive, describe, or imagine. He's authentically good. That's why he's God and I'm not. That's why he's God and you're not. Because he's greater, and I'm gonna say that again, because he's greater than we can understand, perceive, describe, or imagine. He's authentically good because he's God. It's a matter of trust in his character, church, not as much in what he can do. Because he does do things in our life, amen? So he's not good just because of what he can do, but because we have to have complete trust in his character. Uh, uh, remember, we either trust in God or we don't. We have to have complete trust in his goodness and know that what he's doing in the moments of our life, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, he's showing up. 
We prayed for baby Westland, for my daughter, for nine years. Nine. Got to a point, again, I'll preach to myself, where I'm just like, if it was going to happen, it would already happen. I'm 33 years old right now. I would have been 37 without no kids in my house. Woo! Hey, well, it would have been a, man, me and my wife would have traveled the world. September, what, 24th, I wake up, four in the morning, she goes, I'm pregnant. I go, that makes sense, because she wanted to kill me the last three days. She, she did. Okay? Nine years I prayed for Westland. Yes, it's good, hallelujah, amen. I'm thankful that she's here. It's been a blessing beyond I can imagine. But God was good in those nine years. Even if Wesleyan was never here, God is good. God is good. Discovering who Jesus is and what he's like in reality is the only possible way to discover his true goodness. This is an eternal journey. We'll, we'll learn it the rest of our lives. His infinite goodness is the only way we are privileged to embrace I'll leave you with this. In the moments of God, I mean, in the moments with God, and in the moments of times where you're like, man, this is crazy. My life is going crazy. What is going on? God, I really don't sense you in this moment. Maybe it's this week. Maybe it's a month from now. But in those moments when you're like, where's that goodness that Pastor Jake or Pastor Lupe was talking about? I don't see it because you're going to have those moments. This is what Rachel and I do. This is what my wife and I do. We start firing off what he's already done in our life. The times where he's shown up, the times where he has been more than enough for my wife and I, the times where he's uh, uh, impacted our marriage, the time where he's blessed me with a daughter, the time where he's given me a job at an amazing church, the time where he's done remarkable things, remarkable things. The times where he took me from a flooded house to, to a stage, we start firing off all this because when doubt starts to creep in, we have to defend it with the truth of our testimony. There is power in your story, so start using it. Sometimes we're our, we are our own worst critic. God is good and he was good in the past and, he, and he's good now and he, he'll be good in the future in your next uh, situation in life and your next um, celebratory type of thing. And when we're celebrating you and your birthday and all that stuff, he's good then, he's good now, he's good in all of it. Start firing it off when the enemy comes knocking. Reminiscing of God's goodness in your life up until this point is the pre-workout before the battle. If you wait until your house is flooding, how, how are you going to be able to see God's goodness in that? If you, if you never walk into a gym to work out, how do you expect to look like me? Right? If you start firing off right now the goodness of God in your life and what he has done for you, I promise you that you're better prepared and equipped when life gets thrown at you or when God calls your number. Because not everything bad happens to you because of, of, of the enemies out to get you. Sometimes he's just calling your number because he wants to trust in you. Just like uh, you want to double back sometimes for those Chick-fil-A fries or or that sandwich from your favorite restaurant and dip again, maybe double dip in some ranch or just whenever you go back, it's just like that. Go back today and start reminiscing on God's goodness in your life. The trust doesn't always come by 
or before understanding. Uh, trust comes in complete trust in him. Let us pray. Father, I thank you so much, God. God, for a, for a love that you have for us, God. And as we fully yet don't understand, God, uh, your goodness, I, I, I promise, God, that, that we're trying as a people, God. I, I pray that we free ourselves right now mentally, Jesus, uh, for a move in your life, God, in our life from you, God. I pray that you help sharpen our skills of trust in you, God. I, I pray that you give us faith um, that surpasses all of our, our earthly understanding, God. I pray that we, we uh, would become a people who would stop uh, doubting your goodness, God, and start uh, exercising and bathing in it in the name of Jesus. Father, I, I pray, Lord, for, the, for those who are struggling right now in this building, God, or online, God, with tasting and seeing your goodness because of their life um, situation and circumstances right now, God, I pray that you would use them and speak to them. Father, we love you and we honor you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.